Tom Corbett, Sterling Pingree, new sports order back and had a lovely Thanksgiving. We had ours on Sunday because of uh, the kids sick. So I still got Thanksgiving in football. It's a good way to do it. I mean, really, it's foolproof at this point where, I mean, there's football on Thursday. There's even some on Friday. There's a boatload on Saturday. And then you have the NFL back again on, on Sunday. So really, everything's already planned out for you, just in case. There, there's there's measures in place for this very reason. Yeah, and it was it was interesting because I cooked most of the day sat, uh, Sunday. So I watched uh, Survivor Series. That was on the night before. I watched that while I cooked. Cowboys in the uh, were Thanksgiving Day, so I didn't have to really hone in on the football right away. The Patriots were on on Thursday because now that we're doing this, I got to pay attention to the Patriots more right. too. So those were out of the way, so I could kind of skate by the early games, watch some good afternoon games. It was a good day. I mean, you really spaced it out perfectly. I mean, I, and that's really how you should do it is for Thanksgiving in general, you should have a couple plates, space it out, really take your time and enjoy it. Me, it's a pile of turkey. It's a bunch of, you know, stuffing and, and mashed potatoes and cranberry. It's just in a pile. There's Alabama white barbecue sauce on it. And I'm just going to town. And then I'm going like, wait, how did I just eat that plate in like seven and a half minutes? See, and part of this is because I had three kids in a year and a half. Don't necessarily recommend it. Love my kids, but. uh, It's a world record pace, my friend. All with the same person, mind you. Just saying. I throw that out sometimes, and I get these looks from people. I'm like, oh, they think think I'm Nick Cannon. Yeah. Yeah. They they think you are Antonio Cromartie, where you got to like. Have you, have you started the uh, name roster tattoo on your forearm yet? Not like yet. You're not quite there. Because, you know, I took the bullets out of the gun. So I only got to remember what I got at this point. But there you go. Any, because I have three small children and they're always just needy and asking for things. Like, I didn't have my Thanksgiving meal till after everyone else was done. Like, cooked it nice and hot. Served everybody else. Then I just wait to keep waiting on them hand and foot. And then when they're finally done, I'm like, yes, now I will make my plate. It'll be lukewarm, but I'm happy and it's somewhat quiet. You're like the mom in a Christmas story. You know, he's like, my mom had not had a hot meal to herself in at least 10 years. Have you watched the Christmas story sequel? Not yet. Not yet. I, I'm going to me and my family. That that is that is our movie. A Christmas story is is all day. Like we will watch it when it comes on at 8 p.m. on TBS. Are you uh, more nervous going into that movie than you are watching the Patriots lately? I mean, that's no. your movie. I, I hate. Ooh, there's a lot of pressure. I'm not one of those people that get excited when they're like, ooh, there is a sequel to the movie I loved 20 years ago. I'm like, oh right. god, don't don't mess this up for me. You know. You can't mess up the original for me, and I like the way they've gone. Like they have the original people, you know, as far as you can go. You know, it, it's you know Peter Billingsley's you know, big big time producer director with Vince Vaughn. Like he's back. It, it seems like they they have a nice like formula for this one, and they brought back everybody they could. It'll be kind of cool just to see the characters as uh, as adults. The weird thing is, uh, to me, not to jump off on on this aside, but I could you know, dive deep into the happenings of Cleveland street. But so the movie comes out in, I think 83, but it's set in like night in like the 19, like forties, thirties. Like it is set a ways back. So the thing I'm not sure about is with this new movie, Ralphie's an adult, but I think it's supposed to be like seventies. Right, it's supposed okay. to be like so, thirty but, years. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So, so that would that that was like my one question. I was like, oh no, this isn't going to be like Apple Watches and. No, I think it's supposed Tesla's. to be thirty years after the original. Okay. Okay. No, I th- also th- have not true. seen and, it. And I like that. No. Okay. That that makes sense from the from the preview. I couldn't quite tell, you know, what is just like industrial winter in the Midwest versus. I think I saw a station 1970s. wagon. 
So mm. I think he's okay. no, probably pretty that, good. That checks out because that was going to kind of bother me if it was like, wait, the original is in like the 40s and now we're just fast forward. It's uh, 2022. Ralphie's a, you know, hotshot producer in Hollywood coming back to, you know, Indiana. Yeah. Okay. He, uh, no, I, feel, I, I feel better about that. No, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that it's going to be good. It, it seems like they've gone about it the right way. And if it isn't because there is a Christmas story sequel that they made with Daniel Stern like 10 or 12 years ago. I saw the beginning of it one time. It is a very different movie. Uh, Daniel Stern plays the dad. They have another kid playing Ralphie. Like they were still like young. Um, I don't know. I saw very little of it and really lost big, interest, big Daniel Stern guy right here. Love Daniel Stern. That was the only reason I gave it like the 22 minutes I gave it was, was Daniel Stern Bushwhack home alone, home alone too. Um, uh, Celtic Pride, big, big Daniel Wonder Years. It was huge Daniel Stern. He was a popular in the library in in two thousand and seven. Let's just say seven in that area. I don't know how many college dorm rooms had a DVD collection that was really going hard on Bushwhacked. Rookie of the Year, yeah, uh, Celtic Pride, but in uh, Sterling and Eyes dorm room it was happening daniel, D- daniel stern was al pacino in 700 hard <laughs> people walk by, by and then kind of give it a weird what are you watching that looks like a children's movie like, yes from my childhood we, we watched way more movies from 1994 than 2004 that's that's a fact oh uh, he i watched him in uh he was in game over which was a Netflix movie with uh, Adam Devine, and it was—it's a very adult movie, and he's fantastic in it. But it is there's some moments in it you're like, oh, this is this is adult. Daniel well, Stern. you know the weird thing is, is we name all these Daniel Stern movies, and he's most famous for Home Alone. I mean, that's yes. his most recognizable role. But his other most recognizable role would be City Slickers, and I mm-hmm. didn't. I didn't actually sit and watch that movie until like the pandemic. It, it was always on TV. I feel like I had seen most of it, sort of the gist of it, but I never sat and watched it start to finish before. And I'm like, oh, Daniel Stern's in this movie too. And my girlfriend's like, well, yeah, it's, you know, like he's really known for this movie. This was like the moment where he sort of like broke out. And I think he made Home Alone like right after that. I was like, oh, yeah, I knew more for like bushwhacked and Celtic pride and rookie of the year. You know? Yeah. What what a pitching coach he was. Phil Brickma. Let's play some ball. I hit him in the head and he just kept following me. Let the big dog eat. I suppose we could probably talk about some football. Uh, we're not going to focus too long on the Thanksgiving games because it's been a while. <laughs> Since those games took place a week, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, but good win for the Cowboys score. I thought was a little closer than the game even was. They got that late touchdown when the Cowboys had kind of mailed it in, but yeah, look when what we wanted to do, go in, got the win, took back over second place in the NFC East. I think we're starting to see the, uh, the barnacles show on the giants, the glitz and glamor has rubbed off and you're like, wait a minute, who did they beat for those wins? And you look and you're like, okay, chickens roosting, things like that. Far be it for me to make excuses for the New York football giants. Cause I refuse to, uh, you hit the nail on the head and also used every, analogy you could I, I especially enjoyed the barnacle reference i thought that was was spot on um because that's what they are i mean they, they played over their head for the whole first half of the season and now i think people look at the last two games going okay i think this is far more indicative and and mind you probably still ahead of where people thought the giants would be i mean if you gave the giants if you gave our our very own john Pony that performance on Thanksgiving for the Giants on Thanksgiving Day and said, like, look, this is what this this team's going to look like in week 12. He would probably go, you know what? I, I think I'm all right with that. I think they would still be okay, even in that loss. This is who the Giants are. They're still ahead of schedule. I think 
Yes and no. It's kind of like I talked about. Right. But it's kind of like I talked about with Pawnee is that, yes, they're ahead of schedule, but it's almost a bad thing because they've now played themselves. And you're going to talk about this a little bit later, kind of out of the contention of top picks and maybe some of those top quarterbacks. And are you now going to have to hit your wagon to Daniel Jones? Are you franchise tagging him? Because you didn't pick up the fifth-year option, which was the easiest thing to do. You're like, we have so little faith. We're not picking up your fifth-year option. And now you're either, A, going to have to give him a contract, which seems perhaps a bad idea, or you're going to franchise tag him and pay him a lot for one year. But you're only paying it for one year. Like, you, you look at mitigating disaster it's like okay do you swallow your pride you made the mistake you should have picked up the option in hindsight now remember before the season we're, we're looking at this going all right maybe dayball can make something out of him but nobody's looking at it going look he's going to win seven games before december uh look i try to think of this for daniel jones when he drops back right now what is he seeing like what is out there i mean it has been tenuous thrown to some of these receivers and now most of them are injured anyway um it seems like everybody throws the ball to or every third player he throws the ball to ends up on the ir immediately following the play uh so not a lot of weapons injuries have caught up with them but i think the rest of the league is kind of caught into okay this is what they're doing but hand it to brian dayball i mean there's a lot of there's some good candidates for coach of the year and i think he certainly has to be in the mix because i did not see the giants being this good this quickly or this good at all. I mean, I, I thought there was a team that was heading towards the wasteland yeah, uh, and, and they've been able to turn around and, and be competitive. And, and you're right for the Cowboys it, it's exactly what the Cowboys need to do. Take care of business. Don't get hurt. Maintain a comfortable lead the whole way. Like you said, it, it really wasn't that close of a game. They got yards when they needed it. They got big plays when they needed it. And uh, the highlight was the uh, all tight end Salvation Army pot whack-a-mole. That was great. That, that was that was better than uh, you know T.O. dropping the ball in there. It was better than Zeke jumping in there a few years ago. That was fantastic. A very white tight end room. <laughs> All four <laughs> tight ends. You know how hard it is, I think, nowadays to have four white tight ends? Do you know how hard it is to dress four tight ends and also not only that, but get them onto the field? You know, you talk about 12 personnel and 22 personnel, two tight ends, two running backs. Were they running like 40 personnel? I, I don't know. <laughs> they had four tight ends in the game. And I'm trying to remember who's who because they're all just about the same size. They all look like it's like 85, 86, 87. Yeah, they all sort of look like Gavin Escobar, who isn't on the roster and is Correct. not one of those tight ends at all. But it's, yeah, it's it's Ferguson, Dalton Schultz, and two guys that look like Ferguson and Schultz. Yeah. Uh, but no, good game. Pollard continues to look awesome. Zeke, ground and pound. Though you see, and you saw it a couple times in there where Dak got popped a couple times like, oh, Tony Pollard kind of misses. He doesn't have that shtick on the blocking. And every time they need short yardage, it's it's usually Zeke. I, I stick by it. I say it every week. I think they're a great balance and you don't need to mess it up, at least right now. Not that you would at this point of the season, you know. Come the off season, see what happens. But just, I think they're moving them in and out. And as long as everybody's happy, they're doing it fantastically. They're getting more and more balanced. I think it's getting closer to, you know, a 50-50 almost split the last few weeks. Well, and, and to me, the most impressive was Michael Gallup. And I think that's one of the biggest things is, is to have someone opposite CD lamb, because I think at times that's what Dallas has missed the most is Amari Cooper on the opposite side of CD lamb where, you know, Amari Cooper's a guy who, you know, a couple of times this year, people have really given him credit for being a great receiver. And, and he is Amari Cooper is, is outstanding. Is he, he's not as kind of, not that CD lamb's flashy, but he's not a guy who's just going to you know amaze you with his speed and you know, hit a home run ball and and really just you know gut a defense. Yeah, he's Cooper good at is, a lot you know, of things, not great at anything in particular. Right, good route runner, gonna get open. Reminds me in a way of like an Isaac Bruce, where you just look and go, yeah. I mean, production wise, he's a top ten receiver, kind of year in year out. 
uh, but not one that you look at and go, man, you know, we just got murdered by him. It's one you look at the end of the game and go, wow, eight catches, 110, had a touchdown. Uh, well, I mean, I guess we really had trouble with Amari Cooper. Uh, and, and I think Michael Gallup is, you know, starting to get healthy. He's, he's looking good at the opposite side. And I mean, a lot of the game, I mean, he played like a number one. And, and you know, when they were playing off him. It takes a while to come back. It takes a while it to does. come back from those knee injuries. And he's working sure. his way there. I still have, I have no idea what's going on with James Washington. <laughs> I keep looking every week and like, oh, he's close. And they show an interview where he's like, oh, I feel great. But then he's still not active at all. And obviously there's all the Odell Beckham rumors. I would assume yeah, it'll be can, either. Can that, just, can that just go away? I, I, just oh, yeah. I don't know how that turned into a goal. sweepstakes. I mean, I he had a good know. year last year in L.A., but. Okay, and it seems I'm guessing it'll either be Dallas or the Chiefs. He's having a meeting with the Giants, but I don't know why he would go to the Giants. Because, like you said, yeah. I and why the Giants would spend the money to do uh, it. I'm not sure it totally makes sense for them. I think Buffalo's in it too. I mean, Von Miller said something today that it's down to I can't remember Dallas and Buffalo. Um, which I mean, again, those are two guys who played together for two months last year and won a Super Bowl. Uh, so there could be something to that. But uh, I mean, you look at all the weapons that they have in Buffalo, especially a wide receiver. And but th- this is the world we live in, where teams like the Chiefs and Bills can be the best team in the NFL, and then you know the Melvin Gordons of the world still go and sign there. Which do you think Denver, if they had to do it over again, want a mulligan on that that they? They cut their starting running back and their horrible offense, and then they immediately signed with the Chiefs. Now, I didn't put the Broncos in my losers for the week because they just are every week. But <laughs> They'll get brought up in mind. Don't worry. The Broncos currently rank dead last in points per game, points per drive, and red zone DVOA. They're 31st in special teams EPA. They lead the league in penalties, and that's including a league-most 26 combined delay of game and false start calls. It'd be hard to believe if I wasn't you know, looking at the numbers. And the name we've heard of, of a coach that hasn't already been fired this season, uh, we've heard the name of a coach that should get fired the most, is Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. And, and part of me goes, okay, so is that the fault of a first-year coach? Is that all Nathaniel Hackett? And he's made, you know, bad decisions when it comes to the timeouts, time management, um, you know, play calls, decisions. Like he's not had a good first year. But really, you, you know, you, you're going to let a coach go after one year where clearly there's deeper issues than just the head coach. Yeah. Pointed out all the time. Belichick was 5-11 and 11 his first year in New England. And now if a coach went five and 11 and also they signed Drew Bledsoe to like the richest contract a football player had ever signed. If they'd done that in 2000, they just let Bill Belichick go at five and 11. That's the world we live in now where if a coach doesn't, I mean, people want McDaniels fired in, in Vegas. And it's like, if you don't get it done from year one, and most of these coaches are walking into a situation that isn't good because most likely, unless their coach just retired, they're probably walking into a bad situation where their coach just got fired. Let me just say this. If they could score 19 points a game, just score 19 points in every game, I think they'd be 8-3 and three right now. 8-3. and It's <laughs> how good that defense is playing. If they just scored 19 points, they'd have five more wins. It'd be what the three seed. Well, this would be a wild card because I don't think it'd be well. They'd be one be game right, behind the be Chiefs. Right behind. Jesus. Uh, uh, after that nice Broncos rant. Uh, <laughs> so Patriots get Minnesota coming off the Cowboys beat down of them and. While a week ago it was all about the special teams winning the game, some tough plays for the special teams this week that hurt them. What they they had to give up, like I think it was something like five or six first downs to Minnesota off penalties. 
Yeah, penalties rough. They didn't have any on on defense. They had just the one. I mean, the big one was the roughing the kicker with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter of a tie game, and uh, Pierre Strong runs into the kicker and and, and really could. I mean, he put the crown of his helmet in the kicker's foot, and of course he flopped like a Paraguayan soccer player. But um, yeah, it, it was egregious because the Patriots were about to get the ball with eight minutes to go in a tie game on the road where they'd been moving the ball as well. And instead it turns around and you know the Vikings go down and score. You know, they give up a kickoff touchdown immediately after the Patriots scored five minutes into the third quarter, took a seven point lead. And it lasted 13 seconds as the Vikings took it back for a touchdown. I mean, really those two plays alone kind of personify like what the loss was in this. And this is, as you pointed out a week after they gave up three points to the jets, and their only touchdown was on a punt return. So special teams won it for them against the Jets, really you know, bailed them out. And then they go in and they play the Vikings. Defense had its moments. They had lapses. I mean, you know, Justin Jefferson's going to kind of get his. <laughs> Double-team him really didn't work, especially in the first half. Um, settled down a little bit in the second, but really you, know, you give up the kickoff touchdown. And then extend drives for the for the Vikings, and like we always say, you can only give Kirk Cousins so many opportunities, and uh, you know they they sort of let him off the hook. Yeah, and hey, you had uh, you had the quarterback everyone thought was scared of the dark, primetime Kirk Cousins, and you gave primetime Kurt his first was that his first primetime win. Probably not. I think it was his second. I think he got his first one, you know, last year, the year before that. He he's won one uh, finally after going like zero and fourteen. Looking at the positive, I mean, Mac Jones looked good. You know, he had ten incompletions and threw for three hundred eighty-two yards, a couple of scores. Didn't turn the ball over. Only took three sacks. Unfortunately, those were all in the fourth quarter. Uh, And and were more, you know, kind of breakdowns as they were trying to throw deep and, uh, you know, rally late, but. He looked good. He had time. I mean, the offensive line looked better than it has in weeks, and that's against a good front with uh, Daniil Hunter and, and Zadarius Smith. So I was encouraged by the offensive line performance, even without David Andrews. Hopefully he's back against Buffalo uh, tomorrow or today uh, as you listen. So th- there were some positives to take away. Weird that the best day for the offense all season, and it's the one time where special teams and defense kind of let you down. Whereas if you paired that with almost any other defensive performance this year, say for maybe the Chicago Bears, that's a game that, that you win going away, especially the way the defense has performed. So just levels of confusion and frustration about where this Patriots team is, and uh, they better figure it out pretty quick, taking on uh, the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, they kind of have gotten through the the grace period, and it's going to be a tough, tough one down the stretch at this point. And you got... The Jets, the reinvigorated Jets with Mike White just carving people up. Man, amazing what happens when you get a quarterback that can throw the ball to an open receiver. It's impressive. Well, well, and this is kind of where the Patriots are right now. So here's the scenario. They're 6-5. and five. Nine wins might get you in the playoffs in the AFC. Ten, I think, certainly does. You have six games to go. You have two with Buffalo, you have one with Miami, you have one with Cincinnati, and then you have the Cardinals and the Raiders. So, you know, you got to think, you've got to win, obviously, both games out west. you got to beat the Cardinals and Raiders. Where do the, where does the other one to two wins come from? Can you sneak one out against Buffalo? I mean, most likely your best chance is going to be Thursday night in Gillette, you would think. I mean, maybe it's, it's week 18 at Orchard Park where maybe... Th- the Bills are probably going to have something to play for. I mean, they're behind Miami right now. Um, you know, can you be Cincinnati at home? I mean, depends on what what Bengal team shows up. Uh, so, so win the two out west. Uh, Miami again, New Year's Day in Foxborough. Depends on what that weather's like. You know, can you slow down that offense? So, there's a path. But boy, it felt like such a tipping point in that Minnesota game. If you take that, I mean, it, it seems cliche to say, but you know, if you're seven and four. Seven and four, and you need two, maybe three wins. You're looking at going. Okay, cool. We'll we'll go to Arizona. We'll beat the disastrous Cardinals. We'll win one uh, in Vegas with the Raiders. That's nine wins. Then we just need to make something happen in any of those other five games. But now, you're up against the eight ball. 
And I just feel like based on how the season is gone, somehow, some way, Josh McDaniels is going to beat the Patriots. <laughs> it feels like, with, especially because those two games are back-to-back. So it's after this game where, you know, it, it's such a strange, you know, strange Patriot season and such a strange schedule is that you have the week 10 by you come out, you play the jets on Sunday, then you play turn around and play Thursday on Thanksgiving. Then you play the next Thursday. And then your next game is Monday night football at the Arizona Cardinals. So, you know, you go short rest, normal rest, which is almost unheard of after Thanksgiving. And you go normal rest Thursday to Thursday. And then you get extended, you know, mini buy, but you get an extra day's rest on there too. So you get like 11 days off after this game uh, against the Bills where you head out west for back-to-back games. So they'll probably stay out there uh, and take on the the Cardinals and, and Raiders. So it's just such a bizarre schedule for the Patchwork. And then they finish with three one o'clock games. So go figure. There you go. Let's look at some winners and losers. My winner is... Taylor Heineke, you got Washington rolling a bit. They've won, what, six of their last seven. All, or actually seven of their last eight, going back to week six. Heineke's won six of those and had just a wave of love coming his way lately, and look what he's doing. And the thing is, you look at it, Perlis not impressive. He's not putting up big numbers. You know, he's got seven touchdowns, five picks. Two of those games they won, he didn't throw a touchdown. Three of those games under 200 yards. A couple of them barely over. I mean, it's not impressive, but he's a good dude. And I bring up he's a winner because that shows the difference. I think if Zach Wilson is in any way humble and eat some crow after that Patriots game, instead of giving the answer that he gave about, no, I didn't let him down. He probably had another shot this week. I would bet. You know, Carson Wentz, I, I haven't heard anybody really say anything bad, but. You know, he's you a polarizing Carson Wentz. He's a polarizing kind of guy. But as a teammate, I haven't heard necessarily anything bad, but like Heineke's just a good dude. He's you know, putting Zins in, having Drinking himself bush light. Yeah. He's got his trucker cap and just seems like a good dude, and his teammates love him, and that just shows the difference of perception just based off of attitude how people feel about you. Like you look at the numbers and it's not like, Ooh, Heineke is got these amazing numbers compared to like a Zach Wilson, but people like him. And those numbers so look a whole lot different when people like you. So there's a conversation that I've had with, with a friend of mine where we talk about employment in general, not just in pro sports where we not not debate but we discuss the the merit behind the idea of if everyone in your organization likes you like if you're just universally liked by everyone liked by your supervisor liked by your you know the people in your department liked across you know the entire organization how bad could you be at your job and still keep it you know, if, if you have a good attitude and work well with people and you try hard, but you're just like literally inept at what you do, like how inept would you have to be? And I think in most vocations, they would kind of like, okay, maybe this isn't the right fit for you, but we're going to find another job because we want to keep you, you know? So we, we always come to the same conclusion that like, you can be pretty inept at your job if you have, you know, a hundred percent approval and by especially by the right people and i think there's something to what you just said with taylor heineke and that they like him they respond to him it's kind of the same as a coach when you have an interim coach the raiders responded to rich Passaccia last year don't know why he's a special teams coach but they responded to him and i think the commanders i like ron rivera i'm not impugning the coach 
But they've responded to to Taylor Heineke. The guy's got something. He's got, you know, I keep hearing the comps, and I think it's just because of, of playing in Washington, to Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's got this likability. He's got, you know, kind of an everyman personality. Where I mean, the kid played at Old Dominion. I mean, he was playing against UNH and UMaine and Rhode Island and, you know, James Madison. And he's in the NFL. I mean, he took Tom Brady, you know, two years ago in a year that the Bucs won the Super Bowl, and he took him down to the wire in a playoff game. Yeah. So he plays with a certain level of fear, fearlessness, and I, I think he's one like you know. We'll, as we'll we'll talk about my winner here. Um, not only is he playing himself into a job now, I think he's playing himself into jobs plural, long term. He's he's made a name for. He himself. could be the next Ryan Fitzpatrick. He he could be, and, and he was actually I listened to an interview with him today, and they kind of asked him about that. He's like, one, I'd be honored. That guy's had an amazing career. He goes, I would even you know travel around the league, getting jobs. You know, curring favor, helping organizations, winning games, and being a guy that people look at and go, we need to get someone, you know, to win. Maybe it's short term. He goes, but if people look to you for opportunities, that's a positive. And, and Heineke feels like he's looking at positives. And Washington, it, how weird is it to look at, say, like the last 10 years of Washington quarterbacks where you draft RG3, but they also draft Kirk Cousins, you know, and they spend the the draft capital to trade up with the Rams to take RG three. And the guy who comes out of that draft is their quarterback for several years is Kirk cousins, you know, and now they, they try to go out and they get Carson Wentz and out, you know, and all these different quarterbacks that they've tried out there the last several years. It is the kid from ODU. That's like, Hey, Hey, like he's raising his hand. He's trying to see above the crowd and he's jumping in his Jordans. And his chains and his bush lights going, hey, guys, remember me when I was won that playoff game two years ago against Tom Brady? And like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll try Heineke. It's all we got. You're the kid from the Battle Hawks. <laughs> You're the kid that was uh, crushing Bud Light seltzers in the locker room for the Battle Hawks. Yeah, that, uh, that line of how, how well you could be and how bad you have to be at your job, we call it the Jason Garrett line. <laughs> don't all right don't don't get me uh, and i went through this i touched on it on my uh, my blog which you can read on our uh, facebook page for uh un- uncommon well for new sports order uncommon media all all the tom corbett podcast network yeah uh where so, that thursday night game you know we get to rico and, and i kind of went after nbc which i like nbc's broadcast i, I think theirs has always been the best it, it's down a little i like al michaels i like collinsworth but CBS and Fox sent their A-teams. You had Burkhart and Olsen for the Cowboys game. You had Nansen Romo in Detroit. And NBC gave us Tariko, who's their, who's their you know, play-by-play one, QB1. With Dungy and Garrett? What the hell was that? They do a poor studio show together. Yeah. Where's Collinsworth? Where's Herm Edwards? Yeah, I mean, who, where, where, where's anybody? It, it just one, you know, Dungy is, I don't know the word for it. He's like a Nilla wafer. Like it's not a cookie. It, it's not a cracker. It's yeah, he there. just, yeah, he's, you know, he's never going to say anything no. disparaging about anybody goes in some recipes sometimes you put it in a pudding cup not real sure why kind of kind of sogs it up but and jason garrett and i was saying this I'm like why is jason garrett on television and then people like him po- well eh, well that but the, people that he works for like him <laughs> sorry exactly and, and you want to why someone posted i think it was kyle long tweeted this uh like six second clip and it was just you know when someone else is talking the analysts are always kind of like smiling laughing at what we're not really sure and jason garrett just like slow turns to the camera and hits the most like i might be a mannequin smile and held it i mean he held it like he was frozen and it was real time and he just stood there like he was a sears model come to life and i go that's why nbc likes jason garrett because he looks like you know the jc penny catalog just came to life do they still, I don't think they have a JC Penny catalog anymore. Do no, they have many JC Pennies anymore? There's not many. We have one in Bangor still. Still yeah. still at the mall. 
I think they up here they lost one, the one in the Berlin Mall, and I think they still have the one in the Burlington Mall. Nah, if you got to go to the Capitol, you go to go to J.C. Penney's, and that's that's what they see in Jason Garrett. They're like, well, you know what? There's a reason there's no audio in those catalogs because no one cares what what those guys have to say, and I don't care what Jason Garrett has to say. He was <laughs> he was bad. I think he was mistaken. And Dungey, his hatred for the Patriots lives on. I'm gonna get my loser out of the way just because to finally kind of put a bow on the Thanksgiving games and Thanksgiving. Turkey took an L. Turkey took an L this really? week. It did. And not necessarily of its own doing. It it got jobbed out a bit, man. The way they were really pushing it, and I get it, and I love, you know, the Madden tributes this year and everything and to the Turkey Day it. and and the the most egregious was the Minnesota game with New England. And they trot out the turkeys and the sideline reporter, sorry, don't remember her name, is really just trying to get him to eat the turkey. Go ahead. Take a bite. Kirk's like, ah, I'll, I'll wait so we can talk. And she's like, no, go ahead. Go ahead. He's like, okay. And he took a bite and she immediately asked him a question. But at one point, they had Thielen, and he takes a bite, and they just keep the camera on him, and he's working the chewer. He's work, and he finally just goes, yeah, it's a little dry. <laughs> and Kirk throws him a water, and they keep the camera on him as he turns away, trots, trots five yards, and spits the turkey out onto the ground before coming back. I'm like... No, you have to know that that's a show. That's a show turkey. <laughs> like, it's not ready to go. It's not nice and hot, especially if you're, you know, I think they had legs, so it was dark meat, but. Well, it's, it's supposed to be the turducken that, you know, John Madden always ordered from, like, Louisiana. Like, he, was, he put it on the map. There are 200 bucks a pop, you know. That was what it was, you know, kind of always supposed to be. Also, and this is the part that kind of vexed me, and I think kind of also solves your problem. By the way, I loved all the Madden coverage. I loved the clips. I loved all the memories of, of those games. Um, but did you notice, like, all the old clips? Who was eating the turkey legs? It was Nate Newton. It was yeah. Reggie White. Leon Lett. Offensive lines. Leon Lett. And then, yeah, sometimes you saw Barry Sanders. Um, Emmett. Yeah, it was typically your big boys. Like, you didn't see a lot of, like, Troy Aikman didn't get a lot of turkey legs. But the offensive line did. You know, Leon Lett would get a turkey leg. Eric Williams would get a turkey leg. Now, like, watching it on Sunday, it, you know, they had Diggs and Allen, which I get. I mean, they're superstars. But it's like the true spirit of it. Jefferson. You know, and that, yeah, like, Jefferson should have been there. Maybe you can sell me on Cousins. But then you need to have, like, Daniil Hunter or like, why was Adam Thielen there? Like he was barely in the game. I mean, I think he had a touchdown, but whatever. Um, just, just don't pick receivers and, and court, literally pick the, the skinniest guys on the team. You need the hogs in there. Get, get some guys that want, you know, want dark meat and just gnaw on a Turkey. Like, like I said, it, Vince, nothing Vince to do, Mark. nothing to do with Turkey itself. I think they were just came up losers just the way they were played out. They really tried to put it out there on the TV and Madden and here's your turkey leg. And, you know, you have Kirk Cousins. I don't know. He's pretty ripped. He probably hasn't eaten turkey in like 13 years. He's counting yeah, carbs. Tur tur turkey's very lean. Turkey's very lean. I mean, they're probably having like turkey yeah. burger or like stir fry. But, and that's the thing. My, my favorite part of it is they had all these video packages where they were talking to current players and every one of them was like, oh, I, I loved watching John Madden on Thanksgiving and you wanted to eat that turkey leg. And then, like the players get a, a turkey leg and they're like, ah, yeah, I, I don't really want it. You know, they're so image conscious. It's like, wait, didn't you just say that it's iconic and it's this honor and it's whatnot and Adam Thielen's spitting it out? Swallow one bite of turkey. I'm sure you probably had he this with your kids. Just, he, Look he, at the he, clip. He, he was chewing that thing for a good 10, 12, 15 seconds. Before, yeah, a little dry. <laughs> I had to throw him a bottle of water, and he went and spit it out. 
No. And they kept the camera on him while he did it. Sure. Just bad rap for Turkey this week. All right. So I got, uh, I'll go with my winner first. Winner, I'm going to go with Mike White, similar to uh, your ideas on Tyler Taylor Heineke. Uh, Mike White, I think, has made a name for himself in that this guy is going to have a job in the NFL for like 10, 15 years. I mean, he's he, he's the new Josh McCown. He's just going to be around forever. He's going to be a name that you look up on a Sunday and go, wait, who's starting for the Cardinals this week? Oh, Mike White's starting for the Cardinals this week. Kind of a Colt McCoy type that people like having around. And look at his performance. I mean, they score three points against the Patriots. They turn around. They're playing the Bears. Bears aren't great. They don't have Justin Fields. Mike White, 22 of 28, 315, three tuds, no interceptions, only sacked one time. And maybe the bigger thing he did was finally unleash Garrett Wilson, who had five catches for 95 yards and two scores and looked like, you know, the steal of the draft. Is he playing himself into the Jets job? I would I don't know say he's making, it, he, he's making it damn hard for Zach Wilson to win it back. I would say in a way, yes. Because they're not going to be anywhere near drafting a quarterback with where no. their record is. I would say the caveat is Aaron Rodgers. Because I think there's a chance. You think, think Rodgers goes to the Jets? I think it's possible. Well, I think I, it's I, possible just, Green Bay decides to, hey, let's see what we can get. I think people still make a move for him. You know, he's banged up, whatever. I don't know if he plays again this season. Uh, and it would be obviously ironic because Favre went to the Jets in a real life imitating previous life. But I would say outside of a move like that, I would say Mike White is putting himself in good position to try to get a run next year. I think the way it sets up is they, I think White at this point, you know, barring injury or, yeah, his play falls off an absolute cliff is I think he's a quarterback for the rest of the season. And then, yeah, I think they look at whatever opportunities they have, and that's probably coming by a trade. Uh, maybe, I don't know if there is for free agents. I mean, I guess if, you know, Lamar Jackson doesn't sign, doesn't get a franchise tag, you know, something like that. Yeah, I think that's kind of what you're looking at, but I think he's he's at least played himself into a competition. He may have a job. But I think he's got one long-term in the NFL that teams are always going to look at Mike White going. I mean, look, I mean, he's, he's a big dude. I mean, he's he's a got the prototypical build of a quarterback. He's got a pretty good arm, and he just walked into a situation with a team that was grossly underproducing, and suddenly you put him under center and they produce. Now it's against a 3-9 and nine Bears team, but Still. we've seen the team show flashes. It, it was in horrible weather, too. I mean, it was rainy, it was cold, windy at the Meadowlands, and, and he performed, so I think... You look long-term, Mike White's going to be a name in the NFL for for a long time. And there's nothing wrong with being a really good career backup. How many years did Cooper Rush buy himself in the league this year? Sure. Sure. And if you don't get that opportunity to to give people, you know, look at Bailey Zappi. You know, if the Patriots cut him at the end of the year, teams would line up and be like, yeah, I'll give this kid a shot because everyone wants a backup quarterback that can do what Cooper Rush did and win you a few games, but even better if there's that little bit of hope that they can become, I mean, I think every team wants that Tom Brady, you know, that guy to undrafted sixth, seventh round, take over, take the reins and end up in the hall of fame. Tony Romo. A glimmer of that Tony Romo. Well, maybe hall of fame. Uh, Mike White just showed you that little bit of maybe he's a guy for a while. Maybe he's a pro bowl caliber player and they didn't have to invest anything in him. Here's a question, Tom, as we talk about the Jets and not to belabor the Zach Wilson topic in general. So let's say Mike White takes him to the playoffs. Let's say the Jets win a playoff game with Mike White as the starting quarterback. And they make available Zach Wilson. What do they get and who gives it to them? I think they get less than they got for Sam Darnold. Which will they get a three? I think two? so, yeah. I we'll mean, it check. wasn't high. I mean, because Darnold was the number three pick in that draft. 
but I feel like Sam Darnold showed more. I, th- I think so as too. a starter. And not to be a sizist, but you look at Sam Darnold. Darnold has the build of a quarterback, tall. He could move, strong arm. I think you know timing does Zach Wilson the only disservice that's being done because he's doing the rest of the deserving to himself. But timing and the premature flame out of Baker Mayfield, I don't think are doing any favors to Zach. Because when I look at Zach Wilson, I see early Baker Mayfield who was scrambling. Baker, I think, had a way better feel for that offense in, in Cleveland, what they were trying to do with Freddie Kitchens. But God, do I see similarities between attitude, decision-making, accountability, you know, saying the wrong thing in the media. And we saw what he got when he went to Carolina. And I don't think there's teams out there going, yeah, I should, I should double down on that. We should invest heavily in bringing in Zach Wilson, who I think has a, a poor reputation than Baker Mayfield did at least, well, maybe not at the end in Cleveland, but for most of his tenure. Yeah, they got a second, fourth, and sixth rounder for Sam Darnold. That that trade's really aging well, I feel like. <laughs> I, I would certainly say so. In my head, I mean, if you were to pull that off today. So I guess that, that becomes the point. So what do you get for Zach Wilson today? A third... Third, third and a seven, something like that. Third and a sixth, maybe. But it's probably yeah, it's like, like you, you said, you, you, attitude issues and blah blah blah. Who Who's, wants to sign up for that? Yeah. Let alone, name me one iconic, or not even iconic. Name me one notable Zach Wilson performance from his first two years. I'll wait. Well, impressive and notable being different because he's had some notably bad performances, three picks against the Patriots, and then the three-point performance, you know, two weeks ago. Uh, I think I think he's had some notable, but only for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I, I don't know who, who makes that. And I think we come to this conclusion every year where we look at teams going, okay, who needs a quarterback? Are the Colts going to jump in? Are they going to say, yeah, we we should probably make a move for for Zach Wilson? Um, I always get to this point in the year and say, yeah, there's not that many that really need a quarterback. And the ones that do are probably going to go. But every year we say that. And every year there's, you know, Atlanta and Indianapolis and New Orleans. And, you know, just these teams are like, you know, we're going to have three quarterbacks and we'll have them compete and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Don't mind you. Carolina right in the hunt for the NFC South. Only a couple games back. And one could argue could be playing better than anyone else in the division right now. You know, I think Clemson's actually in the running for the uh, NFC South as well, and and they lost to South Carolina this week. So uh, everyone's everyone's in the mix in that one. But speaking of losers, my loser this week is, uh, well, losers in general. Uh, I want to talk about the draft order, because uh, this is around the time of year where you start looking at that going, oh, who would have you know, the first pick? Who would have the second pick? You know, what are they going to take? Who, you know, who's looking for quarterbacks? So here's your draft order. If the season ended today, it doesn't, by the way. The Houston Texans, unsurprisingly, have the number one pick. That seems like it's probably going to hold. Seems appropriate, likely to take a quarterback, one would think. But, I mean, the consensus number one pick on most draft boards is Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama. So does someone overlook him? And I I have to think back to the Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, Vince Young draft. The Houston Texans had the number one pick that year. Consensus number one was Reggie Bush. They took Mario Williams, who's probably the best player to come out of that draft. So interesting, different, yeah, different. Well, different leadership. I don't know about ownership. So I mean, well, the fact that they're benching Davis Mills, I feel like, is the okay. That was fun. Let's let's go get a quarterback. Let's go draft Bryce Young. Uh, number two, this one kind of surprised me because it feels like they play a lot of close games. And they beat the Patriots. The Chicago Bears, three and nine, have the number two pick. That's one where I think if you're the Bears, you have Justin Fields, you want to develop him down the stretch. But in talking to my friends, you know, people who follow the Bears, they're really hoping that, you know, maybe Fields plays a little bit, doesn't get hurt, is able to develop some, but they want that number two pick. Like they they're very much playing for a draft. I mean, you're three and nine, you're not winning the division. 
behind Minnesota, even Green Bay. So yeah, you know, go get the number two pick, bring in some top talent. Unfortunately, this really doesn't look like that great of a receivers draft, and that's really what Chicago needs is to give a weapon. Yeah, they're banking on Claypool being being that addition. And then, like you said, get an Anderson and just really try to lean on that Bears defense that they've been known to do whenever they were successful. Right. They need to sort of rebuild that. But, man, you know, if there was, a say, a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson in this draft, you would look at the Chicago Bears next year going, you know, Justin Fields, Chase Claypool, Jamar Chase, like that's that's a team right there. That's something that, you know, you can build off of. I feel like Fields, gets- Fields could be their Rex Grossman. We'll see. Well, that kid can run. You know, not a great passer. Man, that kid can run. There's like he. There's there's a lot of Lamar in him. Where like I look at him as a pocket passer, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that, there's not a lot there. But man, when he takes off on some of these runs, if he can figure out an offense, or they brought in a guy like a Greg Roman that institutes a kind of hybrid, you know, triple option college style, you know, well, an Ohio State offense. They might be able to do some things. I don't know. I, I think there's something there in Chicago. Here's where it gets interesting. We're not going to hit on all these teams, but here's where it really gets interesting because right now the number three pick would go to the Detroit Lions via the Rams from the Matt Stafford trade. The number four pick would be the Seattle Seahawks via the Denver Broncos in the Russell Wilson trade. My, my, my. The Karma. Fourth picks. I, I mean, the chickens came home to roost and they came home quick the Man. rams the rams where they made that were thinking we just traded three picks after like 28 they never in their wildest dreams less need never considered that they would be giving up the number three pick ever it's funny it, and much like their la counterparts the Los Angeles Lakers, it comes down to, okay, we bet the farm, we won a championship, and then it all kind of goes to heck after, and you have the conversation, was it worth it? Probably. We won a championship. Well, and the next part of this, though, is that it's instant gratification, but now the bill has come due, and I think it came due quicker than they thought, but it's how they react to that. Can they, if they're going to rebuild in any sort of timely manner, you got to start trading some of that talent. You got to, you know, if Aaron Donald retires, that becomes wildly difficult because you sort of need to trade an Aaron Donald, a Jalen Ramsey, a, you know, to, to try to get some of these picks back. So exactly the way you built this team is how you need to sort of gently dismantle it. And I'm not sure that they're prepared to do that. I mean, this is a team that three weeks ago wanted to trade two ones for Brian Burns. If they had done that, can you imagine where they'd be right now with Brian Burns, great defensive player, but that would mean you're not making a first round pick until 2026 and you're attempting to rebuild, which you kind of have to do through the draft because you can't spend any more money. Yeah. And I don't think LA is as appealing for the Rams as it is for say the Lakers and they're where sure. they're and even then everyone always says the fucking Lakers they always get guys look back they don't they got LeBron cuz LeBron wanted to live in LA had nothing to do with the Lakers he was doing his movie studio and blah blah production company and all that stuff so well, they were in, the in, convenient in the location, but right. But yeah, I'm but just the, saying, I don't there, think there is there is a status thing in the NBA of of winning a ring with the Lakers sure. or having a stint with the Lakers. It but I don't think it's sort of started it. I don't think it's as polarizing as it used to be in this current day and age. Of you have all these social media and the different outlets where you can quote unquote be a brand without needing to be in LA. Well, in the NFL has always been different from that anyway, too, in that if you kind of go to the highest bidder and the Rams aren't going to have the money to attract free agents, they can't just keep loading up by spending money in the offseason. 
salary cap just doesn't work like that. So you got to got to go through the draft. Uh, rapid fire. We'll go through a few of these. I mean, Seahawks, it's the same situation. It's the number four pick. The Denver Broncos would badly need that pick, but they've sort of mortgaged the future and hung everything on Russell Wilson. And it's amazing that those two moves. And, and again, the number 10 pick right now would go to the Houston Texans from the Deshaun Watson trade. So that'll probably get a little bit worse. You would think possibly when Watson comes back this week, but interesting that all three teams that traded for franchise quarterbacks would be drafting in the top 10. So the draft capital they gave up is only that much more valuable. Uh, quickly going through the rest of your top 10, the Panthers at five seems about right. The Eagles have the number six pick in the draft by a trade with the new Orleans saints. My God, a team that could host the NFC championship game has the sixth pick in the draft. Could go to the Super Bowl and be a top five pick by the end of the Oh, certainly could be because the Saints, I mean, they put up exactly zero points this week. So, damn. Or they can trade that for another major piece. So, uh, good on Howie Roseman. The Arizona Cardinals at seven, the Packers at eight, the Raiders at nine, and and the aforementioned Texans at 10. I'm going to go on a Uh, limb and say the Packers don't draft an offensive weapon. (laughs) <laughs> yeah probably and if they do it's going to be like a right tackle but hey you know christian Watson's starting to emerge there um but just weird to look at the top 10 of the nfl draft and see the packers uh eagles even well the raiders have been there some but you know the cardinals team is supposed to be a lot better and uh the jaguars and steelers at 11 and 12 so some kind of different names up there than the ones we see every year and weird to see the lions at three, but it's not their pick. You know, t- typical yeah. to see them in the top three, but you know what? It's 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 not them. I feel it's like it's them. good karma. I feel like if it was the NBA draft, they'd win the lottery off that pick. Good karma. Oh, yeah. No, Adam Silver would certainly make sure that they won the draft lottery. He'd make sure they ended up with, like, Bryce Young. or Actually, that that's one. If you were to look at quarterbacks, I would love to see the Lions get, well, I mean, C.J. Stroud? Stroud, Bryce Young, one of those two. I mean, yeah, it's possible. They end up with number three. The Lions could certainly end up with a quarterback. So, yeah, that would be the ultimate karma, you know, nut punch for the Rams is that they trade for a quarterback, win a Super Bowl two years later, you know, a top two quarterback in the draft with their pick goes to the Detroit Lions. And they have to sign Jared Goff. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if Stafford comes back. There's Stafford. I feel like he's he was always going to come back, but always hindsight twenty twenty is like, oh, what if I rode off in the sunset? McVeigh, what if I had left and gone to Amazon? I would just be the legend that brought the title. Left, it went to hell as soon as I left because I was gone, and then. Whenever you're ready to come back to coaching, just blank check. I think someone needs to teach the Rams how to tank, but because, like I said, three weeks ago, they were trying to trade two ones for Brian Burns. I think it's the very next week, Cooper Cup gets hurt. Stafford gets hurt twice more. He's out. He's out again this week. Cup is out probably another month, probably doesn't play again this season. Aaron Donald has been ruled out for this weekend, which I don't I, – one, I didn't think Aaron Donald could get hurt. So it's odd that he, he's going to miss a game this weekend. I mean, how long before Jalen Ramsey's like, yeah, I'm, I'm shutting it down. I got uh, plantar fasciitis. Uh, got to shut it down. Like, essentially what I'm saying is the Rams don't understand tanking because, yeah, you can tank the rest of the season. Oh, yeah, you don't have your first-round draft choice. That's going to the Detroit Lions. So Dan Campbell's over there going, yeah, I mean, I hope they tank. They get number one and get their pick of the litter again. Someone put them in touch with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Quick, get the Houston Rockets on the phone. Uh, I'm sure I had a tank. All right, buddy. Another week, and we're getting closer and closer to start kind of looking at some potential playoffs. Some matchups. We're getting about that time where it starts getting interesting. 
We'll see what happens with Cleveland this week. Don't really want to talk about it because Deshaun Watson is, you know. He's a loser. We'll, we'll, we'll give you we'll, we'll spoiler for next week's episode. My loser is Deshaun Watson, regardless of the outcome. It's Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. You know what I call this time of year, Tom? Basketball season. December. All right. It was a calendar joke. And on that note, you've been listening to the new sports order. For Stirring Pingree, I'm Tom Corbett. This has been a production of Uncommon Media.